When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Epson Folk, and today, another episode in the annals of the Consensus Series, wherein I ask, I guess typically at this point, it's looking like Americans, what they think of the lone Canadian team in the NBA, and kind of getting a sense for how the media portrays them, how these people see the team. And so you, the Raptors fan who probably listens to this podcast, get to say, I have a better idea of how this team is viewed. And actually, considering I've brought just terrific uh, analysts on so far, uh, maybe some actual insight that you didn't know prior to. And today, one of the better analysts covering the NBA, Nikias Duncan, writer at basketballnews.com, host of the Dunker Spock podcast and host, co-host of the ULA podcast. How are you doing? I am doing well, man. I am honored to be on with you. You've been doing some killer work over the past couple of years. It's been a joy to follow you. So thanks for inviting me on. The You and I both uh, host a podcast with a coach where we learn things from them all the time that we wouldn't otherwise know. Would I be correct in saying that? Yes. Yes. As far as like doing a podcast with Steve, how much as far as like set actions, nuances about stuff like that, how much have you learned? Uh, I feel like my knowledge has, my knowledge has probably doubled in the time that we've been interacting. Cause like we followed each other on Twitter and like he'd DM me random, like words of affirmation, like, Hey, keep going. Good work here. Like I'll shoot him some questions either in the DMS on the timeline, he'll answer them. So like, since we've really been interacting, like that's always kind of been our relationship. And now that we're doing the pod, it's, it's always something that he points out and it's like, Oh, well, I wouldn't have thought to think of it like this. Mm-hmm. I just didn't notice at all. And so it's honestly, it's less set stuff and more, I guess, player usage in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, it, it's kind of made me, like I still have my opinions on guys or t- opinions on teams, but like he provides that, he has a way of providing an alternative um, perspective without it being like, just I'm just going to be a contrarian. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, like, he just knows a heck of a lot more than I do. So, like, if he has a counterpoint, like, I'm going to listen to that because he he knows what he's talking about. Like, okay, even if I ultimately disagree with the overall point that he's making, like, he's he's just one of the smartest people I know. There you go. And that's what we're doing today. And that's what you're here for, to give an intelligent and well-thought-out review of the Raptors. So, 20-17, and six-game win streak, albeit against lesser competition than most. Giannis wasn't there for the Bucks game. Utah didn't bring their guys north of the border hardly, neither did Golden State, yada, yada, yada. Do you think the Raptors' record currently is an accurate reflection of the talent on the roster? Um, I would say yes, but just not in the way that I thought it would be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because heading into the year, I was like, okay, if, if slash when this team gets their version of healthy, 
They're going to have a bunch of switchable guys. They're going to have a bunch of smart defenders. The defense is going to be amazing. Nick Nurse is a really good defensive coach. They're going to throw out a bunch of schemes. They're going to muck it up. They're going to run in transition. I have no idea how they're going to score outside of transition buckets. And then you pull up NBA.com and it's like, oh, cool. The Raptors now have a positive point differential. As you mentioned, like the record is the record right now with the, with the winning streak. And they're a top 10 offense and a bottom third defense. And I'm just like, how on earth has this happened? It's very odd to me. Um, I do think there is talent. There's a level of versatility up and down the roster. So them being like over 500, kind of being in the playoff slash play-in hunt isn't a surprise to me. Um, full transparency, I did not have them as a playoff team this year. Like, I just didn't believe the offense was going to be good enough. So I've been wrong to that point. But that that's kind of where I'm at with them. Like, they are they're well-coached. They're long, they're athletic. They're a fun group, but they're just winning in a way that I didn't anticipate. Okay, so what outpaced your idea of this team? And I'm curious why you think they punch above their weight offensively. Like, I do think they have been able to, they have been able to shake loose and transition. Like, that's obviously a big Mm -hmm. part of what they do. Um, Beyond that, Fred Van Vliet has taken legitimate steps as a half-court creator. The finishing has gotten better more comfort as a pull-up two-point shooter. You know what he does as a three-point shooter overall. The passing reason gotten better. Like, he has – he should have made an all-star team last year. I understand why he didn't. This year is just a no-brainer case for him because he's taken another step at this point of his career. So, like, I think that's a big part of it. Pascal Siakam rounding back into form is obviously a big part. And I think it, it just kind of starts with those two, what they've been able to do offensively in addition to this is just, again, a team that wants to bleach you in transition anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, they've, the whole season, they've either been first or second in transition frequency. And the half-court offense certainly stabilized a lot since Pascal's return. And then the defense was kind of up and down for a little bit, but that seems to have stabilized at least somewhat. And we'll see how both those things look over the next, like, let's say a 15-game stretch that looks somewhat Mm -hmm. brutal for the Raptors if everybody is healthy and playing. But you said the no-brainer as far as all-star for Fred Van Vliet. Matt Devlin has been saying Freddie all-star like 18 times on the broadcast every single game. And uh, so, yeah, obviously there's a push. I think Raptors Twitter uh, forgot that they only get one vote a day. So they were absolute, and they weren't voting on the website. So I think they were absolutely dismayed at the returns of the first uh, <laughs> voting thing, which is really too bad because there were a lot of tweets put out. And, uh, but yeah, anyway, since we're here, the elevator pitch for Fred is the all-star. I know you wrote a great piece. It'll be linked in the, in the podcast article thing that comes out, but I'd like the elevator pitch. Well, if you like a point guard that can knock down threes, can actually score at the rim a little bit, which is helpful because that's not been a thing that he could do in years prior. But if you want a guy that's going to give you 20 points, primarily from the three-point line, pitching in other areas, can play make some to an adequate degree, but is just one of the three best guard defenders in basketball. Like, I think that's your pitch. Like, there isn't a guard in the East that provides value on both ends like Fred Van Vliet does. If you were going to, like when you do a pitch, you want the flashy, like you want something really flashy to point to. And top three point guard defender should actually be like the flashy thing. Of course it isn't. So would you include in that? Like he also, his catch and shoot jumper is as 
valuable as like a wide open dunk, basically. Like what it creates as far as points per possession is just because he's shooting over 50%. Isn't that absurd? Yeah, that's it's freaking ridiculous. And I mean, that's been the other part of like a guy like Pascal coming back, OG and OB finally mm-hmm. coming back, is that now he gets more of those catch and shoot opportunities. Now, granted, again, I think he is a he's historically a good pull-up shooter. And as we saw in that what third quarter against Utah. Once he gets rolling, Jesus Christ, like <laughs> there's only so much you can do when Fred gets into one of his uh, modes. But yeah, it helps that he actually gets to take some easier looks now. And I think that's also helped juice the half to- half court attack. Like he doesn't have to do literally everything. And even with more of the usage being shifted over to Pascal or to OG, like they don't have to do everything. If they don't have it, it can just be a random screen from Fred. It's an averted pick and roll. You can get downhill now. Or you just, it's, flipping to Fred it's a pick and roll with him random cut like they just have a way of making it work in the half court right now um I'm not sure what that looks like you know looking ahead like what does that look like in a playoff setting when teams can just kind of really game plan for what they want to do but as of right now like they're finding answers and that's an encouraging sign for them right now okay so they shake loose in transition they hardly ever get any assists they turn teams over a whole bunch. They offensive rebound like hell, and they never defensive rebound. Stylistically, <laughs> what interests you most about these Raptors, and what player do you think is the most essential to that wrinkle? Uh, that's a good question. Like, this is the question that you sent the, uh, the outline to me earlier. This is the question that I was kind of struggling with because there's so <laughs> much that intrigues me with this team. Because, again, like, just zooming all the way out, Raptors good? Okay. Wasn't my prediction heading into the year, but there was a pathway. I'm not surprised. Raptors good because the offense is and the defense isn't. That's not what I had on my <laughs> So what intrigues me the most about the team right now is the defense because I'm still trying to pinpoint exactly, aside from like injuries and you're just playing worse defenders because of COVID and because of injury. Like I'm trying to pinpoint what exactly is the flaw? Like, I do think the defensive rebounding is a big part of it. Like, they just don't have a bunch of guys that can do that. Like, that's part of the downside to not having a legitimate center. Or at the very least, Kim Birch being your best legitimate center. There's only so much you can do there. And with a team like this that can flow between a bunch of different schemes, but also they do switch a lot, they do end up with some of their bigger players out on the perimeter at the end of possessions. And like a guy like Fred is gritty, like Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. has just surprised me all year long. Like he's mm-hmm. just having a much better defensive season than I could have imagined for him. But like you get those guards down there trying to box out and stuff like it, it just doesn't work all the time, which is understandable. So like I want to see them kind of find some kind of balance there with scheme, with the scheme and just making sure that they're in position to actually in possession because once they do, as we mentioned, like they will run and they will blitz you in transition. Um, something that Zach Lowe brings up all the time with Toronto is that because they switch and they'll have like a Scotty Barnes on a point guard in the possession, if they do end it, it's a mismatch on the other end immediately. And they're able to attack off of that kind of thing. So they don't want to lose that, but also they have to end possessions more consistently. So you brought up Gary Trent Jr.'s defense. There was a quote from Ken Birch earlier in the season that I, probably you didn't hear because, you know, it's it's a quote from Ken Birch. Those don't get circulated that much. <laughs> but he had said, you know, you, you were surprised that Gary Trent Jr.'s defense was better. 
Kim Birch was like, I've never seen a guy go from bad to good like this. Just straight up said that Gary Trent Jr. was a bad <laughs> defender prior, even though he had that, you know, that gritty bubble reputation that was probably not really accurate. But that was incredible to me that he did that. And this is something that, you know, Polar, a mutual friend of ours, has been kind of mm-hmm. remarking upon is Gary Trent Jr.'s uncanny ability to strip people of the ball. These are not passing lane steals. These are straight up thieveries like mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard on Andrew Wiggins or Ben McLemore, right? So what have you thought about his defense so far this year? Well, first and foremost, poor Ben McLemore. That clip is <laughs> like in terms of just random NBA moments that I'm going to remember for no good reason. Like Kawhi just taking candy from that baby on multiple occasions. It's just that it's a hilarious clip if you haven't seen it. Go do your YouTubes, do your Googles. But um yeah, like I just didn't expect this. Like once the trade was made, the Gary Trent Norm Powell trade, like I liked it for Toronto. I'm just like, okay, you're not gonna pay Norm. You get a younger guy in the system that can shoot, and like he's had flashes of being a solid on-ball defender. He was kind of miscast because of the rest of Portland's personnel. So like he was taking on a bunch of wing matchups that he just wasn't equipped for. But like he showed some juice on the ball. Now how that has turned into him pickpocketing folks consistently and spending like the first month and a half in the season leading the NBA in steals. Like that's just not what I had in mind for him. And so that's a testament to him. That's a testament to the coaching staff, putting him in position to see every cliche you want to throw out there. But like legitimately, I just didn't see it coming. Like I just, I love the ball pressure from him. It, like he's able to do this. It doesn't feel like he fouls a bunch either. Like I have to check his numbers on that to see like what the steals versus foul ratio, or whatever it is for him. But, like, it doesn't feel like he has a lot of two fouls in the first quarter since. He has two fouls at the end of a game lots of yeah. times. Like, yeah, you're, you're you're on the ball. He does not foul a ton, especially given his play style, right? Like, this is a guy who is constantly mugging folks, and the mm-hmm. cops never come to his door like, hey, like, <laughs> we, we saw you. You know what I mean? Uh, your favorite, yeah. your famous quote, obviously, right? We saw you. Yeah. There's video of what Here's you did. Me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's it's kind of a, mir- a miraculous thing. So we were talking about the defense and, you know, ending possessions, A, contesting at the rim, B. The Raptors are pretty good at dissuading teams from getting to the rim. And that's because they pinch in so much on every drive. They really sell out and they dig down on a lot of post-ups. But once teams get to the rim, they shoot a really good percentage And obviously, when you sell out to stop teams from getting to the rim, you're going to open up passes to the corners and above the break for wide open above the break three. So that's what the Raptors are doing. And so Precious Achua, who was on Miami, that was where you that was where you got your start, you know, covering basketball, Miami. And Precious comes to Toronto. And so far this year, per my eye test and per the numbers, has been a positive defender and just a gobsmackingly bad uh, player on offense. What do you think about his move from Miami to Toronto? Um, the way I characterized it at the time when the deal was made, it was like, I love this opportunity for Precious Achua. And I was intentional about saying that I love the opportunity for him and <laughs> not necessarily I love the opportunity for Toronto. Like, I th- think there was, and I think there is a pathway to that working. But I also felt like, again, coming into the year, like I did not project the Raptors to be a playoff team. So, again, I'll be transparent on that. So I was like, hey, they're taking a flyer on a big man that does have some ball skill. 
that has shown some switchability, both in college and in some stretches in Miami. Like Miami very much wanted to use him as a, you know, a defensive guy that's going to clean the glass on the offensive end, set some screens, don't do anything else. So I felt like this is going to be an opportunity for him to showcase, okay, can he grab and go on the NBA level? Is that thing he can do consistently or is this kind of like a parlor trick for him? So defensively, uh, I'm with you. Like I haven't minded him too much. Offensively, it's a case of him doing too much in some cases and also just the touch just kind of isn't there. Uh, The rim finishing is not great if he's not dunking it. And God, the hands. The hands just haven't gotten much better from what I saw when he was in Miami, which is a bit of a problem if you want to use him as a role man because, like, he's their most athletic big man. So ideally, you would like for him to be able to pair with a guy like Fred if he's starting or if he's just coming off the bench and they're playing together. If he has good hands, like he's shown, again, he has some ball skills. Like, ideally, the foundation is there for him to become like a short roll threat to where you can make the pay. You can put it on the deck for a couple dribbles to get to the rim, put it on the deck for a couple dribbles, make a kick out to the corner, just keep the chain moving like that. But the hands are such an issue still. Yeah. It's, it's problematic. But certainly, yeah, it's been really interesting that what he succeeded at most with the Raptors is, you know, the traditional big man stuff is rim contests, which he's still, I think, a very positive. I think he's still very positive as far as a rim contester, as far as like points added, points removed, that kind of stuff. And um, Mm -hmm. or points saved, you know, whatever. And as far as like cleaning the glass and then all that stuff you talked about, like he's got the handle, maybe the grab and go stuff on a team that you know, has Pascal and has uh, Scotty already and Fred who, you know, in your piece on Fred, you remarked upon how how much better his finishing and transition is than the half court. And that's because that he loves to push just as much as any of the big guys that Precious mm-hmm. hasn't really had the opportunity to, you know, spread his wings. And then the role is maybe the best point, right? Is as you say, he's extremely athletic. When he catches a lob, you kind of sit back and go, wow, could you imagine throwing this guy lobs more often in the half court and Lewis Satsman <laughs> actually did you know early on in the season he did a piece where he looked like why can't Fred and Precious connect on a lob because Precious was getting a lot of lobs and a lot of it was like damn this guy can't catch a pass you know what I mean which is really too bad <laughs> and so it has been really interesting that like he is short for a big and especially a center that this guy has come in and excelled in the Raptor scheme as their quote-unquote big but he hasn't been able to really take the grab and go stuff. He's hit a couple threes and, you know, there are some possessions where it's precious time. You know what I mean? Like he calls his number and then there's this hellacious possession where he has the ball for like 12 seconds in a row on offense. And everybody's just like, wow, what is going on here? But it's a mixed (laughs) bag, a mixed bag to be sure. I just, I, I just don't know how you rein him in without the hands being better. Because, like, without the hands being better, like, you kind of have to try to derive some on-ball value with him. Because I think that's the only way you make it work. Because if you completely strip that away, kind of like what Miami did during the regular season, at least, like preseason there was some stuff. Or, like, summer league there was some stuff when we first got it. But unless you just completely – if you strip that completely away and he also can't catch consistently and he's not a shooter, he wants to be, I'd say, I mean, there isn't a, a non-zero chance that he could become a solid spot of guy down the road, but like, he's not there right now. It's like, what do you have in him? 
Mm-hmm. And is the defense good enough to where you can, you know, is the defense good enough to where you justify playing him over Kim Birch when you need your big man to pry guys open and you just need something solid on both ends? Probably not. And then the overarching thing there is like, okay, if you're not going to play Precious and develop him, why are we paying Kim when you can just play Pascal at the five? or OG at the five or whoever you want to nominate at the five, like him, those two and Barnes just kind of flow between those spots. So it's like, well, okay, what are we really doing here? If you're not going to give him pressure. So like, this is a unique opportunity for him. Like I would like to see him figure it out. There's the rough outline is very intriguing, but the emphasis is kind of on rough right now for me, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. In, you know, in the preseason, like every pistol action he was involved in, if the ball touched his hands, that was a shot attempt. Like he was like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, he's like, I'm taking the ball. I'm trying to get after it, but you brought up Pascal, you brought up OG is like, they could be the nominal five. And even just to speak to how crazy the Raptors rotations have been as of late, like apparently like this obviously isn't correct, but it speaks to how complex it's been for anybody to tell, you know, Chris Boucher, apparently has played as much shooting guard this year as he has center, according to basketball reference. (laughs) And he's played nearly as much small forward as he has power forward. So obviously positions don't exist, but the fact that this player that, you know, basketball reference prior to this was like, this is a guy who plays power forward and center and almost exclusively center. They're now like, I don't know what the hell this guy is. What is he the one through five defender? Is he Jesus himself? What is going on here? (laughs) You know what I mean? But uh, Pascal, Scotty and OG, the wing tandem. I, I, I'm really curious to hear what you think about those three as a collective. And then if you want to dig down on any of those guys, go nuts. Um, the easy answer is that I love it. Um, full disclosure, OG Ananobi was my most improved player pick before the year. It stinks that he has had, once again, an injury played season. So I'm excited to see him catch his rhythm again. Uh, love OG, love the defense would like to see him ramp it up a little bit more. Like I'm giving him a little bit of a grace period since he has been out for so long. So it's going to take some time for him. But when he's firing, like there aren't many, there may be a handful of defenders better than him in the league when he's firing all cylinders. And the offensive improvement was something that I was kind of keyed in on heading into the year. Like, what is this going to look like? What is the footwork going to look like on the pull-up jumper? Will he be able to get into those consistently? What is the finishing? What is the what are the drives going to look like for him? Because we know he's strong. We also know the lift isn't great. Will he develop a little bit of craft to finish um, at the rim in the half court? Will he be able to draw fouls? And like it feels like he would answer one question, then another one kind of pop back up. And again, he's been hurt, so a lot of things are still up in the air with him. But I'm still intrigued by OG. I think he's still a really good player. Pascal has just been fun. I love this season for him. I love that he has – it seems like he's – this is the most comfortable I've seen him on offense. Mm-hmm. And, again, like you are – like you covered it too. Like you watch the Raptors more closely than I do. But, like, from my viewing, this is the most comfortable I've seen him offensively. It doesn't seem like there are a lot of wasted dribbles for him. Like, as much as people, like, meme the spin move on Twitter, like, it's an effective weapon for him and can get it to either side. But, like, just the way that he sets guys up makes defenders shift their weight before hitting them with the spin. He's doing it under control. Those extension finishes are back. The passing has improved. So, if you do, if you have a guy digging down at the nail to try to strip that, like, he can kind of abort mission on the spin and just make a kick out to the perimeter. Like, he he's just so freaking good. And then defensively switching all over the place. 
And so, like, I he's having an all-star caliber season. Like, I don't know if he makes the team this year just because he missed that large block of games to kick things off. And then there was the period where he wasn't shooting well because he's been gone for months. Um, but, like, he's been that caliber of player, especially during this winning streak. And then Scotty Barnes, just, he's just a fun dude. The fact that he's scoring, period, that's a win for the Raptors already. Just mm-hmm. what, what he's able to do in the mid post, he, what he's able to do, what he's able to do off the ball. Um, one of the things that I've noticed during summer league, I'm just like, because I'm not a guy that does a bunch of draft prep. But one of the things I noticed during summer league is like, okay, he is cliche, but he knows how to play basketball. Like if the ball swings to one side, like he's bouncing, he's looking for a cut, he's going to the dunker spot, he's going out to the corner, he's setting a flare for someone, he's facing the floor correctly. It's like, this is a dude that reads the floor at a level that 19-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-olds just shouldn't be able to do. And so when you already kind of have that foundation for, for field and spatial awareness, like that's pretty impressive to me. And then you add in the passing ability. You add in just his size and athleticism in general. And so he's able to get it off of cuts. He's able to clean the offensive glass. He rebounds his own misses. Um, now, summer league in particular, like he's showcasing comfort with a pull-up mid-range jumper. And it's like, wait. This isn't what he did at Florida State. And the people that are smarter than me about this stuff said he wasn't doing this in high school either. So where did this come from? And so he's been able to build off of that. Um, I remember early in the season, Nick Nurse basically called him out, as Nick Nurse does. But (laughs) Nick Nurse basically called him out like, hey, no, we want you taking threes. Like, get your shots up. What's happening here? And from that moment on, he's taking like three, four, five threes a game. It's like, oh, he took heed. He's not scared. And the playmaking, this is something that I brought up on the dunker spot before, where it's like he sees the floor well, he can pick out the guy, but sometimes the type of passes that he would choose, higher difficulty, and then that mm-hmm. leads to some bad placement and stuff. And it's just like, okay, this seems like it's, even if he gets the assist, it's like, all right, it's good process, but it's also bad process, but it's good reward. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know where I fall on this yet with him as a passer, but like, even though over the last month or so, like that's improved for him too. And so I'm really excited for what he brings. And then defensively on ball, he can switch all over the place already. Like we've seen the matchups with Kevin Durant, like he can defend, he can legitimately defend one through five or he can defend one through four right now. And then some vibes off ball rookie stuff. He can get lost off the ball throw a couple of streaming actions for him, have him navigating some staggers or something like he can get lost in the sauce sometimes, but that's rookie stuff. I'm not concerned about him long-term at all, but like he's probably my third favorite guy in the draft. Who are your first Behind two? Kaden uh, okay, yeah. and Evan Mobley. Like they're just, they're mm-hmm. just tremendous, but like <clears throat> the, even that, that's just a testament to those two more so than a knocking against Scotty, but he's, he's incredibly fun. Like I was kind of, I was a fan, I'm always a fan of those type of archetypes anyway, just big fours that can also play make. Now that he's actually scoring at a level that you probably would have expected coming into like year three or four for him, he's already doing it. I just want to see where it goes from here. I was really hoping you were gonna when you said spatial awareness and feel, I was hoping proprioception was gonna come in so I could get the uh, <laughs> that boy the nice, that that Too boy <laughs> nice joke, you know. Um on the nose. <laughs> But as far as, yeah, Scotty, like the Raptors, you know, we talked about that assist rate at the top of the podcast and we were saying like, yeah, you know, and also the fact that 
Nick Nurse is like, oh, you want a screen? You don't get a screen. Get me a bucket. And like that has been the ethos for Pascal's star turn, OG's attempt at it, and now Scotty's rookie season. He's just being more and more outrageous with what he asks of these players. And Scotty, as far as like in isolation, um, his steps, his ability to maintain forward momentum while backing guys down and to hop step into space for those little push slash jumpers, like he's got incredible isolation craft relative to what people thought. And yeah, as, as you brought up like the jumper there, um, we could dig down a little bit more on OG, the drives you, you brought up something really great is that when he answers something, another question pops up and that is absolutely true. And this year it's been probably the proliferation of like workout ball. And I know you've noticed this when you watch is that he gets into a package of moves that basically isolates him and his defender on the floor. And there won't be a pass out of it. It's going to end in a jump shot. Mostly like he gets into workout ball mode. He's in the gym in the summer. He's just doing it during the regular season. And that's led to some like less than good possessions. But as far as reactive reads as a passer, he might even be better than Pascal, like driving in the half court. He's really good at it. It's such a mixed bag. Yeah. Like that was something that popped up. Early in early in this film, Jesus, I do sound like a draft dude, but like that's something that felt early in like year one and year two with him when he was strictly an off ball guy. You hit him on a cut, like he would just make a touch pass to you know, the quick dump off to a big man or touch pass to the corner. It's like, oh, wait, I don't know if I want him running a pick and roll at all because like the drip, the handle definitely wasn't there year one or year two. But it's like, okay, no, this is a smart dude, like he knows how to play. So, like, it's cool that that foundation's been there. And now that he's had the ball in his hands a little bit more, like you get to see more of those reactive reads. That's a good point. Also, I just want to say like workout ball is great. It's a great phrase. I wish I would have came up with that. That's that's tremendous. (laughs) But like, that's also what you see with a guy that's being forced into the role that he didn't used to, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, coming into the year, like, cool. We're going to give you the keys a little bit. Like we gave you a taste of it the second half of the year when you closed out the season averaging like 19 or 20. But now, okay, this is going to be the full thing now. And so now it just kind of gets to the thing where he's like doing the move because he learned how to do the move versus, okay, my defender is doing this. So here is the counter. And if he does this, here is the next counter. It just feels like, okay, I have the ball 18 feet from the basket. This is what I worked on without any kind of recollection. So I don't think like, he's not a selfish guy, but I think it's more so like, okay, I need to be able to win this situation consistently. And then once I commit that to muscle memory, now it becomes a counter versus something that I'm trying to implement right now. So that's just kind of like a natural growing pain for that kind of process, I feel like. So I'm not worried. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, he did kind of start off the year with some some six of 18s and stuff. And it was like, uh, well, that was my, um, prior, prior to the season I wrote. And, and like you wrote, too, obviously, um, both of both you and I were like in the, hey, this could be a most improved player um, situation. And when you looked at what he was succeeding in, basically in his career, and you were trying to glean like creation, like these points of creation that you could inflect and be like, okay, this will this will be leaned on more and this will be successful. The pull-up vacillated between being elite and just cratering to terrible every year. And then you're like, okay, which is it going to be? And to start the year, it was really bad. He was shooting like 12% on pull-up threes. And he was taking a lot of them for a guy who shoots 12% on pull-up threes. And even last year, I think for the first like 30 games of the season, he didn't hit a pull-up three. It was absurd. And now obviously his pull-up, like it's a part of his game. It's something he's worked on and he deserves it. And he's a good shooter. 
But as far as how he should be used, something I touched on and something you touched on is like, this is a guy who is everywhere on the floor. And the Raptors have used him in the past as a spacer for other set actions because he's such a good shooter. And they also started using him as a screener because, you know, not mm-hmm. to worry anybody, but the Raptors' best roller on the team right now is OG Ananobi, none of their bigs. And so what is the way you'd like to see him use to maximize him? Forget about the Raptors. Let's talk about maximizing OG. What's the pitch? Um, The pitch, like, I think it's off ball and then you spread it out. Like, I think you could afford to utilize him more as a screener. And why I like that, I agree with you, he is their best roller, which it's a it's both a testament to him and an indictment on the actual big mm-hmm. roster. But like I like it for OG in particular because if you're looking at him screening for someone, like you you zoom out, like if he's setting a screen for uh if he's setting a screen for Fred or if he's setting a screen for Pascal or whatever, like naturally if he's the role man, you just kind of think, okay, the defense is gonna switch this. Like you're not gonna play drop coverage with OG as the role man, right? So <clears throat> it works because if you do switch, he's so freaking strong, like he he wants to win with strength-based moves anyway. So if you do get like a one of a soft, a soft switch where you can where a window for pocket pass is open, he has good hands. He can turn again like he's as we both mentioned, like he's a good reactive passer. So like he can make the high low read depending on who else he's on the floor with. If someone cuts from the corner, he can make that lay down pass. If they stay in the corner, you make that kick out. So that's there. If it's just a pure switch, he's very good at sealing off his man. It's big man esque watching him set uh, establish post position he can do that and just kind of grind dudes down. So like, I do think that's something that you can use just to get him some easy buckets. And that's how you get him some self-creation opportunity. Like if it is just a pure switch, that's how you get him a self-creation situation that doesn't overtask him, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because where the handle is right now, it's, again, it's night and day from where it was when he first came to the league, but it's still not a high level handle. And so like, even if you did want him to make the scoring leap, giving him 12, 14, 15 pick and rolls a game or pick and rolls plus ISOs combined, like that probably you're going to have like a 51 true shooting percentage if that's how you're using it. But if you get him screening and rolling, he's already attacking against kind of a bent defense. Even if you're asking him to self-create, he's catching the ball eight feet from the basket. He has the release point on the turnaround jumper that he's gotten more comfortable with. Like he can sprinkle that in. He can bully a dude if it's a smaller guy. And again, if it's a pocket, like he can get to the finish or he can make the pass from there. And like you're getting the best of OG on the ball kind of without putting too much on his plate. And then from there, like you can just move him around the floor. If you want to space him on the weak side while Toronto's running something else, like he's been an elite spot up shooter pretty much every year of his career outside of the rookie year. And that's mostly a volume thing, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So that's probably how I would build it out with him, at least until the handle really does improve. A good blueprint and one I'm comfortable with, one I've one I've preached before. So hell yeah to that. As far as parting shots, is there anything you think the the people of Toronto or whoever listens to this podcast, who knows who that might be, but uh <laughs> is there anything you want to let them know about? Uh nothing new in particular. Um, if I can plug the dunker spot really quickly. Um hell yeah. we just had the one year anniversary pod. We did talk about Toronto a little bit. Um, the pop before that one was volume three of our rookie report that we've been doing like once a month where we just had to check in on some of the top guys in the rookie class. So we've talked about Scotty Barnes all three times. Um, so check out that episode if you did not listen to it. Um, 
think it's about 10 or so minutes of Scotty Barnes talk. So check that out. Um, as you mentioned, like I recently wrote an article breaking down Fred Van Bleet's all-star case, like the Raptor, Raptor fans that watch him know why he should be an all-star. And again, probably should have won more last year. But if you want like some film and or numbers to back you up, if you're arguing with people online, like that article's for you. So those would probably <laughs> so those, those would probably be my two things. Weapons, weapons for you, Raptors fans. Yes, absolutely. There we go. Courtesy of Nakias Duncan. Nakias, thank you so much for giving me the time, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I've got to do it again sometime. Hell yeah. All right, listener. Hope you enjoyed it. The sweet stylings of Nakias Duncan's basketball thoughts. And uh, we're going to get out of here. So thanks for tuning in, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.